people have great ideas. There are so many people out there that have epic ideas that just don't pull the trigger. Your idea doesn't have to be perfect. Your idea, you don't have to have the perfect business plan. A lot of these things I did, I just did the business plan because that's what people wanted to see. It wasn't like a very well thought out business plan. Like none of these have been great. Mm -hmm. But just if you've got an idea and you think it's going to be good and you can wrap your head around the concept, just chuck it into play and see if it gets traction somehow. And then I've had plenty of things that I thought would go well that didn't get any traction and kind of pushed them a little bit but not too hard and absolutely like zero bites. So I just left it by the wayside. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Invictus Mindset Podcast. Today's guest, he's formerly the fittest man in Australia, the co-founder of Fiber Sport, and the co-founder of Le Boy Swim, fresh off of Wadapalooza from across the pond in Australia. Got the man here, James Newberry. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Mate, thanks so much for having me. So pumped to be on. I'm stoked to, ch- to, to connect with you. You're, you're a man of, of, of many, many hats. You're a businessman. You're an entrepreneur, you seem to be on multiple continents all the freaking time. <laughs> you are, uh, you're doing it all, all the time. So thanks for making the time to uh, talk some shop with me. Love it, love it. It just so happened that I was flying from Miami to LA and you know the boys that I was gonna be shooting with today just ended up being in San Diego and you're here too. And when you reached out, I was like, this is perfect timing. Let's uh, rock and roll. Yeah, man, you made the scheduling so easy. And so for those of you watching on YouTube, this guy's a legend over here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. You mentioned the boys and the boys that you were kind of connecting with a little bit are, are a brand that we're so fortunate to cross paths with, LSKD. Yep. Uh, amazing mission statement, right? Awesome. To inspire people, to chase the vibe. How did you ultimately connect with those guys? So one of my best mates, Khan, he was um, working with LSKD and they kind of popped on the radar. Shout out Khan Porter. Let's go Khan Porter. <laughs> He's... Uh, he, uh, Khan and I have been working out together and competing against each other for the last decade. And uh, when I saw that he was linked up with them and Khan and I were also uh, getting into business together with some things on the side as well. Plus, we also just love getting around again to all the continents and competing. I feel so fortunate I got to replace him yeah. for, for at least today. <laughs> Khan, I got to do a bro sesh with your boy. <laughs> he did. He did. The pump was real. Fire out. It was good. It was perfect workout for today. For sure. After sitting in, uh, sitting in the car for a couple of hours. Um, but yeah, LSKD, they kind of came on the scene and I had heard tons of good stuff about him and I heard about Jason, I heard about the crew and then I met a few of the people that were working at HQ and they were just such good people. I was just like, far out. What, what's the secret recipe to these guys? And then I ended up getting invited out to just hang out and at the time I was with Under Armour and mm. they said, it doesn't matter, you can wear UA stuff, just come out and hang. And I was like, yeah, sweet. And it was like not to try and like slip into the scene or anything like that or like trying to get me to convert it was just just come chill and like they I think they just liked liked what I was about and I enjoyed what they were about and they were just keen to have a good time and that really kind of got to me and then when I walked into the office and I saw you know chase the vibe move fast break shit one percent mm-hmm. uh, better every day I was just like yeah, these guys are speaking my language. Yeah, man. I love that you mentioned the values. I had Jason Daniel on the podcast as well, and we got to spit back and forth a little bit. And exactly that, just the concept of, of being gently disruptive, yep. move fast, break shit, 1% better every single day, create a community. I, I just felt like their value system really aligned. And 
I'm stoked to hear that, that you're a part of their crew as well. It's been awesome to cross paths with them. And here's the thing that's also really cool. They don't fake it. No. Not only do they communicate those things from a value, value deliverable, but they're in the gym getting after it with us, yeah. right? Like I was just with them in Miami and we're training at 6.30 in the morning and then they're going straight to the booth and having an amazing time with the community and sharing their vision and ethos with the CrossFit world. That's, that's a whole new level, man. Yeah. I think that's very, very cool. That, and also that they didn't shove LSKD down your throat. They're like, hey, we know you've got other obligations. Yeah. Come be a part of this and yeah. see, see if it's the right, the, the, the right flavor for you. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, you know, it, it just happened that they end up – I moved to the Gold Coast and they are on the Gold Coast too. Mm-hmm. And they were close by and, you know, I was just finding myself – you know, just being there for their run days and things like that, just because it was a fun thing to do. And I have a lot of friends that were linked in with LSKD at the same time. And then it came up with Khan being involved too, that we were going to do a little collab with one of our businesses. And I'm just like, you know what? There's so much crossover here that it's too natural to deny. Mm -hmm. And Chase the Vibe is something that kind of, that is probably, Move Fast Break Shit is very much me but also chase the vibe is something that i try and live by on a daily basis anyway it's just like people ask me like what do i do for fun and it's like i love to work i love to create i love to build i'm doing it every day anyway i'm build. i'm trying to build these businesses into something that is you know uh not only beneficial for the community educational profitable but then i'm also trying to chase the vibe in as many different areas as possible. It's just, that's what fires me up. That's what puts a smile on my face. And for me, I've found that CrossFit, CrossFit was a fantastic time of my life where I sunk everything into it. And now that I get to put that laser focus into something else, the transition has been relatively easy. I just have shifted focus and then put the blinders up in a different direction. Um, And that chase the vibe thing for me was, I said to those guys, I was like, guys, we could do a, such a cool YouTube channel about chasing the vibe in as many different aspects as possible, like all these different modalities, mm-hmm. whether it's sport and fitness, doing crazy stuff, learning a new skill, um, doing, doing business. Like there are so many ways that I like to chase the vibe. We could just create a YouTube channel out of this. Oh, absolutely. And that would just be just a cool thing. Just put me through the hurt locker. Let's go sign up for Ironmans. Let's go do some cliff jumping. Let's like jump out of planes. Let's go do some shark diving. And let's just try and see how much cool stuff we can get because for me, the idea of having a good life is to create as many different memories as possible and have as many different experiences as possible. And if I can do that and have a good time and do it with good people, then I win. That's powerful, man. And it's using your fitness, right? Like there's no limitations to the capabilities and the things that you can potentially explore. You're constantly seeking edges, which is a huge thing that we talk about a lot on the podcast. James, you're, you're a jack of all trades, man. It's super cool to kind of hear the vision, the ethos, and how you're applying all of these things. When it comes to you know, how you found CrossFit early on, what was that like? What was your journey into the sport? Yeah, so the journey for me, I was always very competitive. Uh, I grew up with an older brother, Josh, who's 11 months older than me. So it was always uh, who can kick the ball the furthest, who can run the fastest to the back fence, who can... Totally, man. I'm a younger brother too, and yeah. I call it younger brother syndrome. Yeah. I always felt like, man, if I could beat that dude, I could beat anybody. Yeah, correct. Yeah, exactly. It's like, if I'm beating someone who's a year older than me, I can, I'm going to smoke everyone in, in my, in my totally. year. Totally. That's and so cool. So it was that, uh, that competitive nature, then 
kind of fell into athletics when I was like eight or nine years old, which was, you know, like junior track mm-hmm. um, for kids. And I wasn't very good at, at running at all. Like I was, I thought I was good, but then I went to, I uh, went to little athletics and yeah, I got smoked my first day and I didn't want to go back, went back the next weekend and I got given a, a bit of advice from a girl who I went to school with, I was in year three and her dad, who, this girl, mind you, I'm just going to quickly just go off tangent here. This girl ended up going to the Olympics for sprint cycling um, and she won gold for Australia multiple times and it's so fascinating but her dad gave me a tip he said I saw you run last week James and you're you're looking all over the shop you weren't keeping your back up nice and straight so what I want you to do is I want you to focus on the tree past the end of the 100 meter race I want like the 100 meter line I want you to look at a tree beyond there focus on that don't take your eyes off it don't look left to right and keep your chest up and get back nice and straight mm-hmm. I was like okay cool do those two things and then I'm winning my race wow. and so I went from and I raced the same people I raced uh, uh, a set of twins and another kid so I came last out of a group of four and then ended up winning out of a group of four I was like wow so if I change two things about this is what I'm going on in my head when I'm like you know eight or nine years old at the time if I change two things I can go from losing to winning straight away cool so next time if I don't do so well I can change a couple of things that I might win mm. and so that was my mindset I also think it's cool like a huge takeaway at least what I'm hearing from your story is you had a focal point. And when you look at like the highest point of currency currently, it's not money. It's not time. It's actually attention. Mm. What, what do you choose to focus on in the midst of extreme stress? And you focusing on that tree gave you like a, a narrowed focus approach. So you weren't so chronically distracted left and right. And then simultaneously from a posture standpoint, it's like, whoa, we'll, we'll get into this in a little bit. But like that organizes your breath a little bit. That makes you a little bit more linear so there's not lateral wasted range of motion and that gets you from point A to point B in a very fast, efficient manner. So, I mean, there's a lot of takeaways there. Well, you know, you said it pinpoint because I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates said the one thing that they did better than everybody else was focus. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was the determining factor of them being successful or being moderately successful. For sure. There's so, that famous strength coach, Dan John, and he talks about keep the goal the goal but inevitably as humans especially in a social media age it's like what's going on there what's going on there what's going on there yeah the shiny object yeah. syndrome yeah, you got to put blinders on you got to put blinders on if you I, I feel like this is i get asked a question a fair bit if you know like oh do you think one of these businesses might do really well or do you think the next thing that you sink your teeth into is going to do well i was like you know what I was always hesitant and it was only maybe a month ago that I thought to myself, why am I hesitating about thinking one of these things is going to be good or not? I should know it's going to be good because I read this book and it was called How Champions Think and there was a guy who was talking in this book and he mentioned he used to get he used to get anxiety about forgetting how to race his car. He was a car, professional, uh, professional V8 supercar driver and he was racing his car and he would get this anxiety that he would just get down there and just forget how to drive as well as he did. And he's talking to his uh, sports psychologist and he said, when was the last time you forgot how to drive? And he was like, never. And he's like, so why are you worrying about it? And so for me, when I think about it, it was like, when was the last time that I focused all my energy into something and it didn't work out pretty good? And I can't remember. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, they'll probably go all right as long as I put in focus and keep the blinders on and just be a good person that's totally man it's so interesting like that's part of the human experience is the 
is the gentle trickle down of some self-doubt of potentially imposter syndrome of what could go wrong. Sure. But inevitably when you look and analyze history, you're like, well, up until this, uh, up until this point, I've actually done okay. Yeah. I've done a pretty good job until now. And so for whatever reason, it's interesting that you mentioned that. And it's, it's almost like allowing a filtration before it's allowed to enter our headspace. Mm. You know, it's like having a bodyguard before thoughts, energy, or emotions are allowed to play ping pong between our ears. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. And it's, and it's funny to think because you always have self-doubt and even, you know, even going through, even going into a competition, you know, say nationals or regionals level after already being at the games three times prior to that, you still go into those competitions with some a little bit of doubt. It's just mm-hmm. like, man, you've done it so many times before. Eventually, you start to really tug on those experiences and be like, dude, just chill. You're good. You're good. You can, but you have to do those experiences before you can then really pull on them because before that, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's always, oh, am I fit enough? Am I smart enough? Am I going to be fast enough? Am, am I ready? And then I think the crossover from the, the lessons that I learned, uh, the lessons that I learned being a, an athlete for so many years in the sport of CrossFit and then rugby league prior to that, which was also very dedicated to a lot of those, a lot of those um, traits or personality traits that I developed there. I've just, I've tried to take them across and put them into how I structure these, this next part of my life. Mm-hmm. Fitness will always be a big part of my life, but totally. now how I structure the next part. Um, a lot of those things I learned there, I'll just, you know, transition across. I love the the word transition because Man, you see it in, in military personnel, the transition from special forces into being a civilian, that in between's tough. You see it with professional athletes where they're used to having for 15 to 20 years, that thing is the thing. They yeah. give all their eggs in one basket. They give absolutely every bit of themselves to maximize their human potential in that arena. Trident Coffee is sponsoring this episode of the Invictus Mindset Podcast. My guys over at Trident taught me something really important this last year, that we are all a bundle of stories, both good and bad and everything in between. At Trident, they're storytellers. All of their cold brews remind their customers that that they are part of something bigger than themselves. They help create connections through symbology and storytelling that engage their customers on an emotional level, and this distinguishes them from other coffee brands. You can find Trident in Imperial Beach and in Coronado. They offer over 14 plus nitro cold brews along with dairy-free options. You can find the perfect brew and pair it with one of their treats from their keto bakery. All these options will allow you to support your health and fitness journey with Trident Coffee. They're more than just a coffee company. You can check them out over at tridentcoffee.com and use code INVICTUS20 for 20% off online and in tap rooms. Once again, that's tridentcoffee.com. Use code INVICTUS20 for 20% off online and in tap rooms. Take your coffee experience to the next level. Two important factors for us over at Invictus Mindset are true care and attention to detail. My friends over at RxMarkier 
have been bringing innovative fitness tools to the market since 2009. From their award-winning Evo speed ropes, to their amazing gymnastics grips, to their line of inflatable fitness equipment, they're constantly looking to problem solve within the fitness industry. They're always allowing us to have our gear work for us rather than against us. Hop on over to RxMarkGear and use discount code InvictusMindset to shop their latest cutting edge gear. Have your gear work with you and not against you. And then when that ends, that, that transition, they, they had the vision for it, but the reality is tough. How have you been able to so seamlessly kind of transition, but simultaneously you've still got a little bit of a foot gently kind of kissing the athlete side of things. The only athlete that I would kind of relate that to is maybe Jacob Hepner, yeah. who competed next to you, that yeah, Wadapalooza. Yeah. He's yeah. very, very knee-deep in business, business endeavors as well. Mm. How have you kind of been able to not necessarily formulate your identity as I am an athlete or I am a business person? It's kind of like I'm a little bit of both. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be either or, all or nothing. Absolutely. Well, the thing that I always look to when... I'm doing business is okay what what is going to make me the most efficient James possible and for me I'm always such a clearer thinker smarter thinker I can get stuff done I'm not worried I don't have any anxiety when I've worked out if I can get some training in I'm making sure that I'm eating well so you're taking care of your health as number one always if you do those things first so taking care of your health and fitness first I feel like your business, your, my for me personally, my business mind will thrive and I'll be able to sink so much more into that for the rest of the day. So making sure that I've taken care of number one, which is my health and fitness and my sanity, then I can, you know, you know what, when I get to 1 p.m. and I'm back-to-back Zoom calls or podcasts or organizing, you know, our next product and I'm thinking, I haven't trained yet. It's like, okay, that starts to then play on my mind. And mm-hmm. then that starts to take my focus away from what I'm doing. Whereas I know, hey, I got in a great session this morning. I can just sit here and just plug this out. I've got nothing to worry about. So that also, that for me is, you know, I have to take care of my fitness. And then I sink majority of my time now into making sure that I'm as well prepared as I possibly can be to handle what I have to in those other endeavors. But then along the along the way, I would be I would be feeling like I would be cutting myself short on experiences if I wasn't just to sign up to random stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So I love I love trying something new, something hard, something that's going to test me, and something that's testing me in a different way other than just testing me with creativity or testing me with project management or testing me with organization skills or testing me with um, the next marketing plan. I'd like to be tested as like, okay, can I run a marathon? Can I run an ultra? Can I do a strongman comp? Can I do them in the same weekend? I wonder if that could be done. That's also intriguing to me. And I feel like that type of experience or that type of memory that's built from those things, these are some some of these things are memories that actually, you know, every, like people that have done a marathon have memories of their own marathon. But some of the stuff that I'm enjoying now is like, okay, I don't think anybody has done a strongman comp, like a sanctioned strongman comp and an Ironman 70.3 in the same weekend before. Why don't I do that and create this memory and that memory will 
be mine and probably only mine until somebody else does it, but I don't think anybody else has done it. So, But also the resilience factor. Mm. Who does James Newberry become in the midst of doing hard things? Yeah. And also, you know, one day that moment in time, that challenge, that struggle, the, the overcoming of adversity for you can potentially be somebody else's survival guide. Because there are the transferable skills, the storytelling, the lessons, the character traits, the values that, that come from, I mean, what, what you're describing is not easy. Yeah, and that's, I think that's what I like about it. It's not an easy thing to do. It's hard, um, but it just fires me up. It just, it's mm-hmm. Something about it, it draws me to it, yeah. and it makes me want to do it. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. It fires me up listening to <laughs> yeah. it, man. And, and, and hearing that you're using it, though, as a tool. Like It's not like, hey, I just did this thing, and it was for me. It was like, hey, I just did this thing, and it's motivating, inspiring, and educating people, and then it's leading to business developments. Totally. And something that, that comes to mind... I had to write it down because it's so important, but I feel like the world in modern day, you know, back in the day you had encyclopedias, you had so many books, you had to spend time building an experience, gathering information, but modern day information just thrown left and right, whether it's right or wrong, it's up to the interpretation of, of the receiver of the information. But I feel like now we're, we're rich in knowledge, but really poor in experience. Yeah. And I think like you need to find a way to marry the two. And I think you do a really good job of just jumping in with two feet into experience. And then as a byproduct, that helps you gather the knowledge necessary for that next chapter or that next season. And it sounds like right now you're leaning into the world of business development. Yeah, totally. And going out and putting myself out there to do these things, some of these things I'll do solo. Like I went and did that particular event, those two events, just by myself, just flew down to Victoria and just hit them and then met a few people that I wouldn't have met otherwise, which is great because I think meeting people is part of an experience that uh, I quite enjoy. Like I like meeting new people. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's good fun. It's You get to share some new stories and you never know. Like met you today and then I'll probably come back and chill at your house in a few months' time when I come back. Totally. So like, what a bro session in the garage. Yeah. Like <laughs> they, they, they're the types of things that fire me up and like I just – just good fun and I think at the end of the day if I'm having a good time and I'm kicking goals in the things that I'm focused on uh, and I'm staying focused on those things and I'm also getting my fix of hard stuff uh, I'm happy like I'm I'm like I'm I'm very happy totally man let's backtrack a little bit you talked about briefly having an older brother that you were pursuing like yeah I want to beat that guy and then you talked about the the gentle lessons learned as far as understanding body position and hey if I apply these couple things I can go from you know lower on the totem pole to then maximizing my potential and winning how did that lesson and that intriguing feeling of like rags to riches almost lead you to CrossFit and all the success that you've had I mean being a CrossFit Games athlete is is very impressive but to do it multiple times and then continue the the journey I mean you've been in the the CrossFit conversation for longer than most the average person competing at the top of CrossFit is two to three years, maybe. And not to mention the business side of CrossFit, which is very challenging where it's like, are you an athlete? Are you an influencer? Are you a little bit of both? It's, it's definitely a toggle for sure. Yeah. But James Newberry has been there the entire time since yeah. the beginning. Yeah. And so how did you use those lessons to ultimately find your way to the top of the CrossFit sport? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, the, the thing that I learned from that day was I could apply a couple of a couple of bits of feedback, put them into practice and see some good results. That didn't last forever. 
the next thing, the next challenge, and this probably came up maybe a year or two later, I was starting to qualify for state championships and I was always placing between fourth and sixth. I wasn't cracking podium. I wanted to get a medal so bad. And then I said to my dad on the way home, and dad would always take me to my athletic meets. He would always take me to states. And then he goes, you know, adding some extra training into your week would help you a lot. And I was like, what's that? And I didn't even know what training was at that You're time. just curious. Yeah, I just didn't even know what it was. I just He goes, well, what you do on Sundays at Little Athletics, which is all I did. I just rocked up on the Sunday and I just went and did the events that they had and we were on an A and B week rotation. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, so what's that? He goes, so you kind of do what you do on Sunday, but you do it throughout the week too, but then you make it a little bit more specific. And you know, if you want to work on your 100-meter sprint, you, know, you can do some starts and then you can do some 100s and then you can do some 200s. Gave you some progressions to break down the macro into the micro. Yeah. And I said, okay, cool. So sweet, can you make me do that? Can you come home and then make me do that? Because dad always took me to Little Athletics and he was like, no. And I said, what do you mean? And he's like, if you want to train, that'll be up to you. And that was probably the, one of the biggest things that helped me in the long run because then I had to be self-motivated. And if I wanted it, I had to do it myself. Personal accountability 101. Yeah, and that was a great lesson for me to learn. I said, okay, cool, sweet. But then he offered to come out and help me measure out my tracks. Oh, that's cool. So he said he came out and he measured me 100, measured me a 200 in the street, measured me a 400 in the street. And then uh, he set up a, a fishing rod in the backyard that I could wind up. So my, I did my high jump step out mm-hmm. and then go up and try and tag this bit of, uh, this bit of plastic hanging on the end of a fishing line. Oh, cool. And then I'd wind it up a little bit more. So if I could hit it, you know, a handful of times in a row, pop it up a little bit more, yeah, go up yeah. and try it again. And so just working on my jump. And then my uncle got me a shot put and I was throwing shot puts in the backyard, creating divots and, and potholes everywhere. <laughs> just working on my shot Isn't puts. Isn't it funny? Like obviously modern day, you see the innovations of like high level training facilities. Yeah. Back in the day, man, you jerry-rig it to the best of your ability. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember my dad talking a lot about that as he, when he was a kid. And then I thought that we were so immersed in, in technology comparison to what my dad and my mum were. Yeah. And then now I'm looking back at it thinking, oh, yeah, like it's even more so now more immersive in technology comparison. Like I'm talking about that and I didn't even think it was at the time. But so those types of things. So I used to get out there and just throw the shot. I didn't have any real routine. I just would go out there and I'd throw the shot put 10 or 15 times and just try and beat my mark. Yeah. Literally just trying to beat my mark every time. And ended up getting a, like I think the next year I ended up getting a golden shot put. I got a silver in high jump. I didn't crack a medal in the sprints. I got as close as fourth. Okay. I got a fourth in the 400 meters. Uh, Which but, is a challenging race, by uh, the way. The 400 is s- rough, man. I sent it. I remember, I remember to this day so vividly thinking to myself, when you get down to the last 100 meters, just pump the arms as hard as you can and just give it everything you've got. Let's and take a moment to uh, really lean into the, the realness of the booty hamstring lockup yes. of the final like uh, 75 meters the of the 400 there's no knee there's no knee lift at all no they're just shuffling yeah totally stuff. i've chatted with brooke wells and danielle brandon about those things a little <laughs> bit and it's like unless you've done a 400 meter run at max capacity 
people don't totally understand. They're like, wait, why are they why are they running like that? Why do they feel like that? It's like, oh man. Yeah. If you've done it before, you realize like, wait, it just doesn't work. You've yeah. got to pump the arms. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is working. You are locking up. It's just, it's horrific. And I would love to see them do that at the CrossFit Games. Yeah. I would yeah. love that. Like, Unfortunately, there's so much muscle mass and not enough intensity in just the CrossFit runs that I'm sure that you'd see some hamstring issues. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do agree. And I think <laughs> the, the thing that I like about it is that then there is, you know, we see we see comparability across, you know, Olympic weightlifting, and that is really it. But I think the audience from other areas of different sports would love to see some comparability, whether it's you know maybe a bit of a powerlifting too, but. Um, get them to run a 100 meter sprint or get them to run a 400 or get them to do a sprint triathlon yeah. so people compare times yeah. so they can they can compare their because so many people thousands and thousands of people have done a sprint triathlon 500 meter swim uh 20k bike ride 5k run it creates a relatability Correct. that's one of my issues a little bit with crossfit is when i look at professional basketball you know which is more my my flavor my background i can watch somebody do something on tv and i can grab a ball go to the park and try to emulate it yeah I don't know how much we can do that necessarily in the sport of CrossFit, but I, I love your, your angle there around like, what if there is certain events like a 100-meter sprint or 400-meter run where it's like, somebody could go test that and they could be like, all right, where do I stand in comparison to James Newberry? That, that's, that is people, that's, na- that's natural human habit. They want to compare 100%. themselves. And I think that would increase the audience and viewing. I agree. People would lap that up and be like, oh yeah, when I was in year 10, uh, or when I was 16, I ran the 100 meters in 11.6 or 11.7. And, you know, the CrossFitters are doing, oh, they're doing a, that same time. I was like, maybe I'll go check it out. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I was good. <laughs> Obviously. It'll enhance participation a yeah, little bit because there's familiarity so. for sure. Correct. Yeah. So, so getting back to the 400 meter talk, um, I figured out that the training aspect of the training aspect was the next step after figuring out that I could modify some skills, then putting training into practice and then basically learning how to put blinders on and then being self-motivated to go after the things that I wanted. Yeah. And from a young age, that mm-hmm. was that was what transitioned myself into getting stuck into rugby league. I played rugby league from 12 years old up until for, well, for 10 years and loved it. All I wanted to do was become a professional NRL player, mm-hmm. which is basically the equivalent of the rugby league in Australia to his like NFL. And all I wanted to do was do that. I made state teams again, um, did pretty well. I made an Australian team when I was 15, an affiliated state team. And then I did it again in 2008 when I was 18 or 17. Mm -hmm. And then I transitioned out of that as soon as I finished high school, moved straight to Brisbane where the competition was better. I was living in Adelaide, no rugby league competition there. So just got in my car, packed my car and said, mum, I'm going up to Brisbane. I'm going to move up there. It's like, I don't know, 1,500 miles away. And I said, I'm going to go play some footy up there. And she was like, okay, sweet, go for it. Mum and dad were stoked. Went up there, played some football, enjoyed it. We did pretty well that year. I was getting better. I was getting stronger. Then ended up moving down to Sydney to play there. And that's when I stumbled upon CrossFit. Oh, interesting. So I moved there. I got a call from a, or a message from a friend just on uh, Instagram or something like that. And he was, he just said, Hey mate, I saw you doing, uh, playing rugby league over in Sydney. Good on ya. Stoked. That's great. Uh, check out CrossFit. It'll probably help with your preseason. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. What is it? 
And he's just like, oh, it's just, you know, compound. I was like, yeah, I do squats and I do deadlifts and I do all that stuff. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you love it. You love it. And you also like to run too. So the transferability would be good. Had you ever combined them in the same modality? Once. One time? One time. Dude, how eye-opening is that? Where it's like in the beginning, you have your lifting session, you have your conditioning session. But when you combine modalities, like, ooh, that's a different animal. The first workout, I still to this day remember it. It was 2009. Mm-hmm. Actually, it might have been the start of 2010. Okay. It might have been the start of 2010, actually. Yeah. And I did the 300 workout, that Spartan 300 workout. Dude, that's the same workout I did in the beginning. Let's go. I did it in like a globo gym. People look so at you I. when you're doing like the, the windshield wipers yeah. on the bench press. They're it's like, what are you doing? Same situation. Totally. A PT. PT from the gym said, hey, man, I always see you in here running and doing all this deadlifting and stuff. You'll... You'll love this thing. You do pull-ups and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, what is it? And he goes, oh, the 300. You know the movie 300? Yeah, all those guys did this workout. It's called the 300. And I was like, oh, yeah, give me the lowdown. So he listed me off the movements. And he goes, come back in on Wednesday night and we'll hit it. And I was like, yeah, okay, sweet. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes, your aim of the game is just get it done as fast as you can. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's a race? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, oh, here we go. Oh, my God. I just went as, and he goes, there are times to try and beat. And I was just like, okay, cool. And he's, I think Gerard Butler, the main guy, yep. I think, got like 11 minutes or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, I can try and beat that. And then I ended up doing it in like 14 minutes and 42 seconds or something. Okay. So, and I have never tried it since. I've never done it dude, since. Dude, next time you're in town, we're totally doing that. We should. We're going to get our asses kicked and oh, it's going to be fantastic. Dude, I will send it for that just to see. <laughs> but the thing is, I would have loved to do it in 2019 when I was my fittest. It would have totally. been good to see. But that, that's that was freaking awesome. That man. was kind of how it, I got into it. So then after that, I went into a local CrossFit gym and uh, started doing CrossFit on a daily basis and started enjoying going to the CrossFit gym. And when I went to football training over an evening, twi- three nights a week, or four nights a week, I was just thinking, man, I wish I was at CrossFit gym. I wish I was at CrossFit gym. And we went undefeated that whole season, so it wasn't a bad season. Mm-hmm. Um, played really well. But inevitably, you felt your attention being toggled yeah. by, a little bit by CrossFit. What was the gentle departure from rugby where you're fully committing to CrossFit? There was, a, there was a moment, and the moment was I was in the locker room at footy, and it was near the end of the season. We are playing semis, and one of the guys I overheard, one of the fellas playing, who was playing in the Prems division, he was like A-grade, uh, I was A grade, he was playing Prems. And he was the position that I was in the higher division. Mm-hmm. And he was 28 years old. I was 21, 20 at the time, somewhere there. And he said that he'd been playing at the club since he was nine years old or something like that and has always been there and you know wanted to play NRL, blah, blah, blah. Still hadn't had a crack. And he was sipping on a beer in the club room and I thought, Wow. Imagine if I get eight years down the track and I still haven't had a crack at A grade. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I want to do that. That was the first thing. And I was like, oh, man, I could you know, put all my eggs into this bucket and then get eight years down the track and still be no further along than mm-hmm. where I am now. It's very common. I mean, you see it a lot in professional baseball. You see it a lot in professional basketball. You see it a lot in professional football. Yeah. Where you know, there's this dream and you just... Right place, right time. You know, you got to fit seamlessly into the integration of the team and Correct. your role and the puzzle piece appropriately. Got to make sure your, bo- your body and mind are ready at all times because yeah. you never know when you're getting that call, man. Yeah, well, that's it. And then it was like, I think the other thing that contributed to it was then it was down to a choice, not my choice, but a, a coach's choice or who gelled better. Yep. Like, 
It's tough when you put your life in somebody else's hands. Yeah, and that's what drew me to CrossFit. It was like, okay, it's black and white. If I put in the effort, I go faster than the other person, I win. Mm -hmm. Done. Deal. Like, that's it. I liked that, which is more back towards athletics. I trained harder. I do do all my shot put drills and I do what is going to make me better and I end up going there and doing well and I win, then that's it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, you, you threw the shot put, your, your technique wasn't good, so you come second. Or, you know, I like this guy a little bit more. Or like I've known this guy four years longer than I've known you, so I'm going to give it to him or I know his dad. So I didn't like that. Yeah, totally. And that was the other determining factor for me coming back. It was, yeah, that, that transition. And I woke up one day and I just had this light bulb moment. I was like, holy shit, I don't have to play footy. I didn't know that up until then. I just woke up and was like, I don't have to play. Maybe I don't play next year. And then I just literally just, that was, I was like, whoa, okay, cool. I just packed my stuff and moved home, decided I wanted to open a CrossFit gym, went and got a job that paid pretty well. I just applied like in Australia, we get paid pretty good out in the um, oil fields and the mining industry. Mm -hmm. So I went and got a job out there. I just literally rocked up, knocked on the door and said, I want a job. And they said, yeah, okay, sounds good. And after a couple of weeks of just sending emails and getting nothing back, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go up and knock on a, a, a door of a, a, a HR place that's hiring for people. And I said, hey, I just really want a gig. Like, mm-hmm. I'm keen. I feel like that right there, though, is such a valuable lesson in modern day. We talked about being, being rich in knowledge and poor in experience. But you learn so much in the world of sales by just, you know, modern day emailing or reaching out or cold calling or going door to door back in the day. Because of your relationship with failure, your relationship with rejection, you realize that it's not an indicating factor on, on your identity and who you are as a human. It's simply a data point. And you're in pursuit of trying to reach your peak expression and maximize your potential and live out your dream. But inevitably, you practice the art or the power of negotiation with each one of those people that you interact with. Like, hey, believe in me. Yeah. And they're like, why? Yeah. And you have a split second to create that first impression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly right. And that's what I, I love that. I love being able to go there and, you know, knock on a door and not sure who's going to open up. And I did do sales. I did do door-to-door sales at one particular time in Brisbane, um, selling like roof insulation. Oh, wow. and So I had to go and knock on people's doors and try and convince them getting roof insulation was a great idea. So, which it is, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Like there were so many talking points, but yeah, I ended that up getting, same game is now played with solar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I actually got, I, I gained a lot of experience and gained a lot of experience talking to people. So walking up to this place with a, you know, no experience whatsoever in the mining industry, just entry level, just let me do whatever I can there. But obviously, it has to be being paid good. And yeah, got a job on the spot, and I started like two weeks later. And then that was, I went in there with a purpose. Purpose was to get enough money to buy a block of land, build a house. Next, next thing on the list was to open a gym. I ended up doing all of those things within less than 12 months. And, and that's quick. I didn't spend a cent. I was just like so, so locked down. And then when I was on my time off back home, I'd just do PT. So I'd do PT and then just in the park. And that's how I would get my living on my time home. And then... When I went away to work, anything I got paid just went straight into savings, getting ready to put down either for the house or for the build or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. We ended up selling the house as a – we're selling the block of land. I went into it with a friend actually and we ended up just subdividing and selling it off before we even finished the build. But 
he he also didn't want to continue out in the mining industry either. And I was like, oh, I just want to open this gym so bad. I just want to get stuck into the gym. And yeah, just ended up pulling the trigger uh, pretty quick. I just didn't know what, I never had run a business myself before. I just said, oh, I'll just figure it out as I go. And if I get to a roadblock, I'll ask a question. I'll call someone. Yeah. Okay, you've got to do this. Okay, cool. Who do I call? Sweet, call them, get it done. I just love the concept of pull the trigger because we talked about that briefly offline. And inevitably, there's planning, there's logistics, there's tr- you know trying to do the smart way, right? But inevitably, that drags out. Six to 12 months, there's no yes. action that actually goes into it. And then you're not actually doing. So inevitably, you are kind of trying to information gather, call people, learn things on the fly a little bit. But inevitably, if you're not doing, you're not making the mistakes to actually know the questions to ask. Correct. 100%. I couldn't agree more. That is the one thing that I feel like people people have great ideas. There are so many people out there that have epic ideas that just don't pull the trigger. Your idea doesn't have to be perfect. Your idea, you don't have to have the perfect business plan. A lot of these things I did, I just did the business plan because that's what people wanted to see. It wasn't like a very well thought out business plan. Like none of these have been great. Mm -hmm. But just if you've got an idea and you think it's going to be good and you can wrap your head around the concept, just chuck it into play and see if it gets traction somehow. And then I've had plenty of things that I thought would go well that didn't get any traction and kind of pushed them a little bit, but not too hard and absolutely like zero bites. So I just left it by the wayside. But they were the things that weren't going to work that well. And then the things that kind of gain traction and things that I get fired up about and things that make me want to sink my laser focus into, they're the things that I'll go ahead and go full throttle with. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I think most people have the downfall. They just don't pull the trigger. They don't get it. Get whatever you've got in your brain to market, whichever market it may be. It could be a, a consumer good or it could be a, a bit of clothing or it could be a new piece of tech or it could be a franchise, whatever it is. Just get it to market and test it out and see how it goes. But the longer you wait, you'll get stuck in this routine of reasons as to why you shouldn't do it. Totally. We talked a little bit around the the LSKD value around move fast and break shit. This episode is brought to you by HVMN, Health via Modern Nutrition. They launched the world's first ketone drink in 2017 and then in 2022 launched the version 2 of their exogenous ketone product line called Ketone IQ. I found that incorporating ketones into my morning routine increased my daily focus and energy. The beauty of this product is that you can stack it. It doesn't even have to replace your morning routine. My morning routine looks like taking the dog on a walk, hitting my daily shot of Ketone IQ, hopping in the cold plunge, and then finishing it off with a nice Trident coffee while I soak up some morning sunlight. Try out some ketones for yourself by using the code INVICTUS for 20% off Ketone IQ. Ketones are a super efficient fuel for your brain that leaves you feeling energized and clear-headed. Give it a shot. I promise you won't regret it. Once again, use code INVICTUS for 20% off Ketone IQ. Move fast and break shit. This is one of the core values at LSKD and something that we fully resonate with here at the Invictus Mindset Podcast. LSKD develops functional sportswear with a streetwear aesthetic that's on a mission to inspire you to chase the vibe through sport, fitness, and adventure. 
Through my experiences with LSKD products and their team members, I have found a brand that I can call home that keeps me performing at my highest level through fitness and business. I train daily in the rep shorts and love the versatility they offer so I can go from training at the gym directly to meetings, client consults, running errands, or preparing for podcasts. The LSKB vibe has finally reached San Diego, and we want you to experience it too. Go to us.lskd.co to start shopping today. We want to inspire you to chase the vibe. And that's what you're living on the business model. But what I'm curious about, James, is where was that value system a little bit instilled? Because most people are afraid to take things to market because of the inevitable judgment that's going to come as a byproduct of that. They're fearful of what other people are going to think. They're fearful that it's going to fail. They're fearful that they're going to lose money. For some people like yourself, fear is a great motivator. Yeah. For others, fear leads to inaction. It leads to stagnation and the, the freeze mode. And so, you know, anybody that, that's listening or, or, or observing on YouTube, they know that, you know, when you go to a graveyard, it's the richest place in the world. Yeah. It's a place where ideas never came to fruition. There was so much talent and so many things that never floated to the surface. And people went to their grave with those thoughts and innovations never really coming to the forefront. But you're somebody that's like, no, I'm taking that to the forefront because I'm going to live and not surely exist. Yeah. Was it a, a special moment with your family? Was that instilled by your parents? Is it something you gathered over time through rich life experience? How did you create this relationship with failure that you're like, hey, I'm just going to go for it? Yeah, I think it was gathered over time. I feel full like Full send, James. Yeah, full send. Yeah, literally <laughs> just... I feel like it was gathered over time. Um, and I think it was just talking with people and just say, and hearing them be like, oh, let's just do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. And eventually I was just got into the habit of like, okay, if we're going to do it, let's just do it. And I don't, I like happy to make a phone call. I'm happy to suck at something to start with. Like I sucked at running the 70 meter sprint at Little Athletics on the first day, but the next week I was really good at it. So I'm happy to, fail a couple of times at something and then have something work out in the long run. A bit of delayed gratification. Dad also said... Dude, del delayed gratification. I feel like that's a huge one that we can absolutely highlight as a nugget to deliver to our our supporters and our viewers today because, man, that one's tough, yeah. especially in a social media age of like, I want the likes, I want the views, I want the gratification now. Yeah, it doesn't work like that always. No like, way. There's a Cinderella story for some people where you try CrossFit then the next year you're at regionals and then the next year you come second at the CrossFit Games. That is like that's 99.9% .9 not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So I wanted that story. That would be great if I went to the CrossFit Games as my rookie year and podiumed. That would be awesome, but that didn't happen. So I had to work for five years hard to get to the Games and then I had to work another four years to get the result that I was satisfied with. Mm -hmm. those other three years I was not satisfied at all totally and that uh that's a special moment intrinsically with yourself where it's like other people may view it and be like man James Newberry is a stud but when you look yourself in the mirror and you're brushing your teeth at night time it's like you can't lie to you you have that honest conversation with yourself like hey that was good but I have more I yeah. think I can take this to another level and I, th I think that's really cool that you had that personal accountability and whatnot in that arena when you first got to CrossFit 
it sounds like you had a little bit of the aerobic capacity background. It sounds like you had a good relationship with doing hard things, exploring different modalities from jumping high to shot put, and a little bit of like mindset coaching gently from your father. What was the very challenging thing for you? Was it the weightlifting component? Was it the strength endurance associated with upper body gymnastics? What's the thing that was like, man, you really had to double your time, effort, and reps in that spot? Yeah, so probably the biggest thing that I struggle with is like barbell cycling. Okay. That was a thing that I always thought I sucked at. And then mm-hmm. I went and did a training camp with Tia and Shane in 2018. And they're like, man, you don't suck at barbell cycling. What are you talking about? And I was like, oh, because they asked me when I first got there. I was like, oh, what are you, like, what's your Achilles? And I said, oh, barbell cycling, I'm not very good at it. And then we did all these barbell cycling workouts. I ended up being quite okay at barbell cycling. But the, the worst thing for me is like a repeatable power output for heavy, like uh, clean speed ladders, snatch speed ladders, yeah. snatch 1RMs, like, that type of stuff. If you had a, a clean speed ladder and it was like, say, 275, 285, 295, 305, 315, I would suck at that. Yeah. That would be the thing. I can do the weights, but I can't power it, power it, power it, power it. You need that time to recover a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Mine's like power, squat clean, squat clean, get buried, drive out, and mm-hmm. then. <laughs> across the line that's how'd you navigate that a little bit in your head right it sounds like you had a little bit of story deconstruction with shane and tia when you embarked on your barbell cycling journey but then when you're now approaching some of these heavier lifts a part of that is just your training history yeah a part of that is anthropometrics and just how you're built but then the other part of that is like all right like (coughs) you may not be you know matt frazier or you know some of these thicker more powerful athletes but how do we seek that James edge? How do we maximize your potential as a human so that way, okay, maybe instead of getting a, a 16th or 20th place on that, maybe we can get you a 10th to 13th. Yeah, well, that was it. That was the thing. That was, the, that was one of the key factors that I probably didn't focus on a lot in 2016 or 17 was, hey, your strengths are here. Your weaknesses are here. Let's try and neglect your strengths a little bit, bring your weaknesses up, and then we'll kind of meet in the middle. So I ended up going to the games and sucking at everything. That's the, that's what actually panned out. I didn't have any killer punch. I didn't have anything that was going to bring me back up like spiritually or emotionally throughout the weekend. There were probably some events there that I could have won if I had just focused on the things that I was good at as well, which would have just fired me up to have a good an, another good event. Isn't that so interesting from human psychology? Inevitably, we lean <coughs> into identifying with, man, I suck at all these things, yeah. but then you forget what you're really good at. Yeah. And you know, uh, it, it is a huge benefit to lean into, this is what I'm not good. At. I'm going to really work on that. But I don't know. Gary V talks about, it. he's like, whatever you're good at, maximize your fucking strength in that. Yeah. Yeah. Play on the strength. Totally. Like you, you want to be able to have a very good ratio of working on your weaknesses. So the weaknesses don't get you that 20th place finish or the 25th place finish. But then make sure that when push comes to shove and you go into the field and you know there's a workout that you can win, you damn well will be placing top three. Mm-hmm. That is it. And that's what you need that. There are some people who don't, BKG. Mm-hmm. He just, you know, he's just fifth every event. Yeah. Fifth every event. Just like He just hangs out. He's been in the conversation for years. Yeah, he just is always the most consistent dude out there. So for him, a little bit different. But for most people, they have something they're very good at. So go out there and just win that 
event and then just try and hang on for the rest because at least you can walk away with one thing that you're just like, you know what, I crushed that pull-up workout. And then you've got this great memory, whereas 2016 and 2017, I had none. Like I didn't enjoy many, any of it. Mm-hmm. It was just What brought you back, right? When you, when you had an experience that was a little bit negative, most people... Ooh, that didn't feel good. I'm going to run away from that. I'm definitely going to lean into a different arena of fitness. And for whatever reason, you had the bravery to embark on that adventure again. What brought you back? It was tough. It was really tough. Did you have a mentor or anybody that helped guide you through that process? My girlfriend at the time, she helped me a lot. I wouldn't have been able to do it without her for sure. Like she was, she was always there to you know pick me up or give me some constructive ideas that would I could put into play or give, trying to give me different scenarios that I could could try and work something from. But after 2017, I didn't want to compete anymore. I was like, oh, I'm done. Like, that was just horrific. That was a bad experience. I ended up, it's almost like, you know, I ended up going from not wanting to compete in 2017 to getting like a week out from the Open, having done no training almost since the Games. Um, Kayla, my ex-girlfriend, she called Shane and said, hey, James had such a good time with you guys at the Invitational. Can James come up and do some training? He's not training at all. And he's like, oh, what? And I'm just, and he, he goes, yeah, send him up, send him up. So I went up, got out of my environment that mm-hmm. I was in, this situation where I was just going to the gym with my bag on getting ready to train, looking at the gym, thinking, no, nah, not doing it that day. Turning around, get back in the car and going home. To getting up out of, out of there, out of work, out of stress, out of all these, like my stress bucket was way overflowed and probably a bit of burnout and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then getting up to Gladstone, which is like middle of nowhere. It's like a mining town way up North Queensland and getting stuck into some training in a different environment with cool people, with people that had structure, people that were just all about the daily grind of training and I thrived. I went from being the most unfit I'd been in probably 10 years to being the most fit in about six weeks time. Well, would the advice that you would give for other people potentially navigating or exploring burnout or uh, just not wanting to be into a gym be to potentially change their environment or what, what would you say to those people? Yeah, you have to, I think what you need to do is identify, I didn't identify immediately what it was, but I, I think you need to identify what is causing you the most stress and then, you know, take a chance, like getting, picking your stuff up, for me, picking my stuff up and moving into state for, you know, a, a few months was neither here nor there, I happily do that, I happy to do that, go overseas and do that, but for a lot of people moving into state is a big thing, so if you're not only in an environment that doesn't bring out the best in you, but then you're also the type of person that struggles with the change. That's going to be very tough. You need to, you need to, you'll have to push yourself out of that comfort zone. Go and do, and I say this to a lot of people, if you are stuck in a rut and you're wanting something more and things aren't going the way that you envisaged them or you think they could be better, and you've got the ability to do it, and I think everybody does, um, and you, you know, just sell most of your stuff, pick up, go to another state somewhere, go to another country somewhere and just do six to 12 months and just see what happens. Just go do something different. I and love then that. You, you never know. You'll probably meet some cool people. You'll probably have some cool life experiences. You'll probably learn a ton of stuff. You might start a new hobby that you're just like, oh my God, I wish I found this 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And But staying where you are doing the same thing, it's just craziness. Something that I hear around the James Newberry story is just be disruptive. 
Don't accumulate things, accumulate memories. Yeah, 100%. And, and just take a chance. Yep. This episode is brought to you by Mush. My friends over at Mush created an incredibly cool product of ready-to-eat overnight oats. And for those of you that listen to the podcast often, you know simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And Mush has done just that, as their products have no more than seven clean ingredients that are dairy-free, gluten-free, with no added sugar. Mush started right here at Invictus as they had a vision to create convenient, healthy, and clean nutrition. And this landed them on Shark Tank, where the famous Mark Cuban invested in them. Now they're found in retailers all over the country, including Costco, Sprouts, Target, and Whole Foods. Check out my friends over at www.eatmush.com. I think that's a, that's some really good advice. I gently crossed paths with uh, Shane Orr at the Noble Film Festival, and he's got such an even keel energy about him. He never really gets too high, never really gets too low, and you know, in, in brief moments, had some gentle conversation with him. What is it about him that resonated with your ethos that his coaching style really helped elevate your ability to like find your innerness again? Shane has a really, really good way of making the training not only fun, but he also, everything that we do has a purpose. Every, mm-hmm. every, there's nothing that is just fluff. Nothing is just in there for the sake of being in there. Everything we do, it'll, he'll always explain it as like, we're doing this because of this. And so you go into that with just that little bit of extra 0.2% uh, confidence knowing that this is going to contribute to me winning the next regionals or going to the CrossFit Games. And so you're just like, we're doing it because of this reason. We're not just doing it mm-hmm. for shits and gigs or I saw it on a... So he does a really good job of creating buy-in to yeah. give you reasoning behind the purpose of the execution of said modality, whether that's a Metcon or a lift or accessory work. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And he's funny as shit. He is so funny. Yeah. He's one of the funniest dudes I've ever met. And it's cool too because when I've heard him deliver funny little like statements or one-liners, oh, it keeps a straight face. Yeah. Oh, and so dude. like, you know how some of those comedians you see, they, they say something and then all of a sudden they're laughing more than the audience? Yeah. What's dope about Shane is he keeps a straight face and he kind of waits for the reaction of the receiver from the Man, joke. <laughs> dude, there's so many, so many times I would have been in the gym just doing something and I'll hear Shane from the other side of the gym just say something but to nobody or <laughs> sing something to nobody and it, dude, it sends me. It sends me into a spiral of like I cannot control myself. It's hilarious. Oh, that's but awesome. Hey. I got to get him on the podcast, man. I've crossed paths with him too many times for us to not, uh, yeah. not have him on as a guest. What are your thoughts on, on junk miles? There's this perception, you know, psychologically that more is better. Everybody thinks, you know, Frazier and Froning. And back in the day, you saw Froning and Dan Bailey just getting after it on YouTube. Just one workout after another workout, Metcon after Metcon. And then now we're seeing a gentle shift. I've spent some time chatting briefly with Chandler Smith. And he does a really cool job of strength and conditioning pieces. He does a lot of zone two work throughout the week to optimize the health and longevity of his energy systems and his joint structure. A lot of accessory work, which is really cool. But if you want longevity in the sport, you can't just keep chipping away after Metcon after Metcon, especially once you you get into your 30s. Yeah. You know, at Invictus, we spend a lot of time with Sam Dancer and he's kind of the same way. And so you're seeing these smarter approaches and you fall into that category as well. Like you've been in the game for so long 
What are your thoughts on the concept of junk miles and how does that analogy kind of resonate with your world? Yeah, I definitely think there was a point in my career where I was doing junk miles for sure. Same. Yeah. And I think everyone's probably been there at some, at some point in time, but for me, exactly like what you just said, kind of, I feel still fantastic and I don't do that much CrossFit, but I do get out and get a lot of zone two stuff done as well. And I feel like that keeps me in check. And then if I'm lifting and I'm testing my nervous system and my muscles, you know, three times a week with something heavy, then I'm probably going to maintain pretty well. Uh, but obviously, when push comes to shove, when you're getting ready for, say, the CrossFit Games, volume increases intensely up until about maybe two weeks out. So, but that's just to build resilience. That's to make sure that you are still firing in all cylinders by Sunday. So, and even still then, you're not doing junk miles. You're doing purpose, purpose-based resilience training and you're getting in a lot of work done and you know for a Saturday session for instance with Proven we would be in the gym from 8am until 8pm but purposely not allowed to leave the gym just so we can get to the feeling of being stuck in a particular space Mm -hmm. for so long but I think the days of junk miles are gone and if you want to have longevity and that was my thing as like I want to be able to which is why I spent so much time on recovery and not 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 to the point of just overdoing like recovery, but recovery number one, maximize sleep, um, making sure nutrition's on point, making sure you're hydrated. Those things are key, those crucial foundations. Then you can start looking at how to improve your breathing. It's something you do all day. You should probably be improved if you can. But then looking at other things like, you know, sauna and uh, ice bath and float tank, which I had at my house. And then, you know, getting sunlight and getting down the beach and getting, you know, doing all these different things. They were things that just contributed to that longevity side of things. And then when I started introducing a lot more zone two work and nasal breathing, that's when I started to really feel like I was moving and developing into a better athlete. And that was from about 2018 onwards. And those extra zone two pieces were just, I felt like when you're just constantly sitting at a more efficient aerobic rate, you're just recovering faster. Mm-hmm. So if you can maximize that, you, you should. And inevitably your capacity is higher. And also just moving blood through the joint structure, mm. it mitigates joint pain a lot. Yeah. If you're lifting all the time, which is great, there is an expiration point. At the end of the day, we're all humans. You're yeah. only as good as what you can recover from. Totally. You know, I think those things are really big takeaways for people. And when you're looking at your recovery, you know, you mentioned nutrition. We've chatted a little bit about it offline. At what point did you move your nutrition from a broad and inclusive nutrition into more of a plant-based focus? Yeah. So I did that in 2019. I went 100% plant-based in, yeah, October, October 2019. And it was just for ethical reasons. I just had this thing that was inside me that just said I'd don't feel comfortable either doing it myself or paying somebody else to kill another animal. That was the only reason. I didn't do it for health. I didn't do it for anything aside from that. I just, I don't know, just had this feeling that I didn't want to cause any harm. So I thought to myself, this has been on my mind for years and years and years. Now's the time. I'm just going to do it. Like bang, done. And then I was just sitting, I was sitting in a set of traffic lights. I looked across and I saw a bunch of sheep in this, semi-trailer just all crammed in there I'm just like man I can't pay for these things these animals not things these animals to be be living in 
circumstances they don't wish to be living in or being uncomfortable or feeling fear or pain or suffering, I don't want to contribute to that. So Mm -hmm. I just said, no. Dude, I totally honor that. What's so cool is um, within the world that we live in, there's incredible judgment, right? Like they'll see, oh, James Newberry's plant-based. That's stupid. He's such a high-performing athlete. He's not going to get the amino acid profile that he needs to recover and there's so much judgment. But guess what? They're only seeing a small sliver of the entirety of the picture of your life as a total. Yep. And one of my favorite things to lean on and a huge value for me is seek to understand. And hearing the empathy and the compassion and the why, really, behind your, your decision in 2019 to make that move gives so much cool understanding as to why you made that decision. And what's also cool is like, we chatted briefly about it after our session today where it's a personal decision. It's yeah. not something that you think that is great for everybody. It, it, it's, it's a decision you made for you. Yeah. And you don't feel the need to shove it down people's throat. You're such, you have such a peaceful delivery in your uh, articulation around the why. And so that's, that's very, very cool. Has it created any sort of complexities for you and your recovery, your digestion, um, you know, complexion? What, what, notice, or what have you noticed as differences since you made the switch? This is going to be terribly boring to tell you, but I've felt zero difference, better or worse. Interesting. I, I don't feel any better. Don't feel any worse. I feel exactly the same. Like there's, I know a lot of people will say that they felt absolutely terrible after after they went either vegan or you know even you know ninety five percent plant based, but and they felt sick and frail and lack of energy. And then you hear people that say, oh, "I feel a million dollars. I feel like superhuman. I feel like I've changed everything." don't feel any different. I feel exactly the same as the day I did the day before I transitioned to 100% plant-based. Have you seen any challenges when you're out at restaurants where, you know, you have to change the the menu a little bit or make some substitutions? Yeah. Yeah. You're always going to come across some challenges, whether you don't get the tofu you like, or you don't get to the restaurant and there's a, a, heaps of different options. You might have one option or they might have to make you something a little bit special, Mm -hmm. but all in all, these days, it is so accessible to get a plant-based option that it's not, even a, it's not even a thing I ever think about or worry about these days. I was in the middle of Germany doing bobsled back in the end of 2020, and we were in a country town, and that country town still had tofu in the fridge, so it was, and it was surrounded by lots of, <laughs> lots of processed meat, but it was there, so you, you can make it work. Like it's, totally. It's not, a, it's not a thing that I worry about, and I don't worry about not getting, you know, enough protein I don't worry about any of that stuff you know it's just I make sure that I just hit my staples which is you know consuming 40 plus plants a week and I know that I know what my go-tos are now because you just have to retrain them it's, it's like typically before I would go you know I'd, I'd do some rice or some pasta or some description and then I would do you know a, a piece of a piece of meat whether it's chicken fish beef, pork, whatever it was. And then I'll do some other, you know, maybe pumpkin and some broccoli or, or Brussels sprouts or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now I just transition the chicken for tempeh or transition the, um, the beef for tofu or mm-hmm. I add in some extra beans and I do a, a mixture of say black beans and quinoa and some other bits and pieces, chuck in some nuts and seeds as well. Mm-hmm. And I just if I know that I'm getting lots of variety and I'm getting them from sources that have slightly higher protein ratios, then I'm going to be just fine. That's super cool. I don't have personal experience eating, eating a plant-based diet, but what I'm hearing is constantly varied, which yeah. is super cool. And some of the, 
the most ripped people, people that look incredibly healthy when I've crossed paths with them, sometimes at the Santa Monica stairs, which is close to where you were today. And a few other places I've asked them, Hey, like what you, what are your thoughts on nutrition? And their response was, Hey, eat the rainbow. Yeah. I thought that was a cool response around like eating lots of different colors, getting lots of different phytonutrients, micronutrients, and and just different things that are going to enhance your microbiome and your gut flora. And I was able to cross paths with Raja Deer who's the founder of Seed Symbiotic. And yes. we had a great conversation around microbiome yeah. and the gut-brain access. Yeah. And at the end of the day, look at mobility, right? You work with pliability. The, be- the best position is actually the next one, yeah. right? When you're holding in a position, sitting for too long, inevitably you get that super tight hip flexors, tight low back, that forward head tilt from being on the computer. Well, the best position is probably the next one. Constantly yeah. Yeah. varied, constantly moving. And so... I don't know. It's very cool to see the, your unique ability to adapt to change. That's a huge thing. Like change is really hard. People get set in their routine and you seem to find this unique ability to just remain so malleable. You travel so much, you make it work. Yeah. You train in different gyms, you make it work. I love change. It's so cool, man. Love it. Love it. And you're exactly right. Being diverse with as many different things as possible, whether it's, you know, uh, how I like to train or how I like to eat. Um, and then the effects of that across, yeah, as you said, diversity in the gut microbiome, like those things are going to contribute. We know that as far as we can tell, um, and we know so little about the gut microbiome, but what we have found out in the last five years, which is a cool amount of stuff is that if we can create as much diversity down there as possible, we're going to be healthier and happier. We're going to be creating all these really cool compounds that we wouldn't have otherwise. Mm-hmm. And the way we do that is by eating diverse food, eating as many different types of diverse plant food as possible, getting in lots of good fiber, getting lots of good polyphenols, feeding those gut bugs lots of good stuff so they can do their stuff for mm-hmm. us. Totally cool. What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, we see it a little bit with uh, Carnivore MD, Paul Saladino. Mm. We see some stuff from uh, Liver King, Brian Johnson, and Ancestral Supplements. And they've, they've been a little bit controversial, like a little bit aggressive, subtle kind of social media characters, yeah. but also like really entertaining, really fun to watch. They, they put out some really cool information. I'm a huge fan of the nine ancestral tenants. Yeah. Uh, you briefly mentioned sunlight and, and uh, heat and cold exposure yeah. as being really yeah. implemental pieces to your recovery. What are your thoughts on, on the world right now a little bit it being super polarizing around like, oh, plant-based is here and, you know, meat-based, ketogenic is probably somewhere over here. You and I both know like things toggle somewhere in the middle. Yeah, totally. And I think the key here is you know, like, I hit, like most of those tenants I actually really agree with and totally. a lot of them are vegan anyway. So <laughs> that's, it's totally fine. And I, I guess the thing here is where – looking to try and show people that eating things that are natural and not in packets and and just you know processed and all these things that don't don't contribute to good health we're just trying to get people back to nature yeah as much as possible and you know the liver king he's doing that via eating animals that come from nature and i prefer the the route of doing things that come from plants mm-hmm. um and, you know, whether you're on your one side or the other, I think trying to find common ground with anywhere, anyone, wherever they are, is probably the best place to try and be. Because if you just kind of butt heads and you try and shove 
whatever you believe is true down someone's throat, you're never going to get a great reaction. Yeah, totally. So, you know, if if I ever met Brian Johnson and he wanted to catch up and have a chin wag, the, the idea would be... To, a okay, chin look. wag. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if you guys... fantastic. <laughs> Shout out to the LSKD crew for that one. <laughs> you just... The idea would be, okay, let's find some common ground. I know you, I know you eat, you know, uh, carnivore diet and then he'll know that I eat plant-based diet and he... He, and he said before, he goes, if I meet someone who's on a vegan diet and they're doing well and they're kicking goals and they're doing all the things they want to do, good on them, keep going. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that I look to. Yeah. That's probably the biggest thing for me. I have never had to change any part of my life due to the fact that I only eat plants. Mm-hmm. I've never had to pull out of a powerlifting comp because I'm dying of starvation. I've never had to you know, be put on a drip because I can't function. I've never had to, I've never had to cancel a flight because I'm going somewhere that doesn't have plants Mm -hmm. or plant-based food. Nothing in my life has changed to the point where I can't do something because I eat plants. And not only that, but I can also do all the things that I want to do and more, which do require a, a fair amount of physical ability. So like even since going plant-based, two years after I went plant-based, I was still hitting PRs in back squat, still hitting PRs in deadlift, still hitting PRs in bench press. I was still, I sprinted, my, my sprinting was getting better. Um, you know, I ran my fastest ever 30 meter sprint time. This was like two and a half years after going plant-based. So, and then I've run my fastest marathon since then. I've done my fastest Ironman since then. I've done my fastest half Ironman since then. All these things, like these are all physical attributes and all the things that you think you would lack if you really believe that you're going to be getting nutrient deficient on a plant-based diet, all these factors, just not the case. Mm-hmm. As long as you do it well. Like you mm-hmm. just can't go and eat Oreos and, and think that you're going to be getting in the nutrition. You need to set some time aside to relearn the last 20 years of whatever you've been doing. And at the end of the, end of the day, I feel better about it you know, ethically, I feel fantastic every day uh, that I, I do eat that way. I, I enjoy the way I eat. It doesn't give me any stomach upset or anything like that. So physically, I'm not having to deal with any stress like that. So why wouldn't I? Like, yeah, totally. That's I the- love the concept of find the common ground. We're uh, partnered with Trident Coffee. And where they developed their product was they were sitting in Afghanistan and they were on the American side and they connected with an Afghani soldier and they said, hey, like, you know, what, what are you trying to do here? And he goes, you know, I'm just trying to protect my family. And then he asked the same question back. Hey, what are you doing here? And he goes, well, I'm just trying to protect my family. And in the midst of like being enemies, they found common ground over connecting over a cup of coffee. Wow. And there, there's a uniqueness to that, right? Like it's really easy to highlight the negative and where we disagree. But in reality, it's like we have a common goal. You have peace of mind doing things that way. It allows you to sleep at night, allows you to still flourish. You're not having any negative side effects. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. And, and for us to expect everybody to think the same way, what a boring life that would be. It's yeah. fun to toggle the yin and the yang. Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And look, the thing is, like if you were to take his nine ancestral tenants and you were to sit Brian and myself down, people would love to see us just butt heads about meat versus plants. They wouldn't like us to see us agree upon the other eight things that are on that list that we both agree with. Totally. You know what I mean? It's like, One of which you and I have chatted a lot about today, which is cold exposure. Yeah. You yeah. know, we're going to get in the, sun, or in the sun and the cold plunge here in a little bit. And I don't know, there's something to it around 
we could get into the physiology. We could talk about, you know, the Andrew Huberman approach around enhancing testosterone, the appropriate dosage, how you should breed that, this, that, and the other. But inevitably it's like, expose yourself to something cold. Yeah. Allow yourself to feel, you know, that level of gentle discomfort in a short amount of time. Try your best to relate to your breath. You know, you and I talked about like, I actually don't care how long you're in there. Get in there. Don't think about anything else. Take 10 breaths and get out. Inevitably, you're going to feel a little bit better. Yeah, you will. You, everyone will. Like they just, they will. And it's just so simple to do. Just get a cold bath or a cold shower and just jump underneath it mm-hmm. and do those breaths and think about nothing else apart from counting to 10 on those breaths. And you will see heaps of benefits, mm-hmm. heaps of benefits. It's, it'll, not only is it just training the mind to be able to do something on a regular basis, so you're creating some type of, uh, something to hold on to on a daily basis is this routine. You get, get that routine and things are then for the rest of the day then just a little bit easier to chew. And then not only that, then you're also getting you know, decreased inflammation and all the other bits and pieces that you mentioned. But at the end of the day, if you can just do that one thing that's a s- stable part of your day that doesn't is never shook. So a really good way to start the day mm-hmm. it's like having that routine is, is a really good way i love to just the way you said when you do the hard thing it makes everything else a little bit easier to chew rogan talks about that a ton and i i can attest to that it's like man if i can just get into that plunge in the morning that stressful email doesn't really trigger me as bad that challenging conversation isn't so bad you know that fight with your your friend or significant other that gentle little tweak on that particular lift things just don't penetrate as easily. They, yeah. they can't live rent-free between your ears and you can practice the power of the breath, the power of the pause to then deconstruct stress. And honestly, like whether it's heat, cold, breath work, it's a gentle disruption that's a real-life cheat code. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it's, it's adaptation. All these things are helping us adapt to particular stimulus Mm -hmm. and if we can adapt to stimulus out there we can adapt to other types of stress too Um, and that's just doing something passive and that's what I love about a lot of this these recovery tools these are a lot of these recovery tools are actually stresses in themselves but a lot of them are passive and I think for people to be able to participate in certain things if you make them passive they're a little bit easier to do Mm -hmm. sitting in a sauna passive you're sitting there you're not doing anything you're sitting in an ice bath you're sitting there not doing anything it's not like i don't want you to go run a 10k run it's not like that it's adapting to stuff where you just have to sit and just be it's it's the david goggins approach of endure yeah right like you can only handle so much impact at that point it probably becomes junk miles as we talked about before but the concept of just be we're human beings we're not human doings Mm. so just being in that space is is gently challenging on human psychology but the resilience and the confidence that comes from, man, I did the hard thing. I didn't freak out. Yeah. Man, I can go do cool shit in other arenas now too. Yeah, that's, exactly, <laughs> that's exactly right. And, it, and, it, and then it has this plethora of health benefits. And there is a podcast uh, Ben Greenfield did actually. It was called Fire and Ice. Huge it, fan of his. Yeah. His Fire and Ice podcast is probably the most wholesome, well-collected scientific data representation of hot and cold that I've ever listened to. Send so, that to me later. I got to, I got to check that it's out. It's epic. It's mm-hmm. so good. Um, he, yeah, he really just went into the deep dive on heat and cold and all the effects, physio- like physical effects of what they do um, down to a cellular level. It's great. 
That's I'll highly recommend. Man. I definitely got to check that out. As we wrap things up, James, you're coming off of another appearance at Wadapalooza. Yeah. The energy out there is electric. You're underneath the Miami lights. You get to play a little bit at the Bayfront. You know, what was that like, spending some time out there and, uh, you know, tapping into your competitive juices a bit one more time next to Jacob Hepner, as we referenced before? Yeah. Along with a, a ton of other awesome athletes, Com Porter being one of your boys. Yeah, yeah. Look, I had such a blast. Wadapalooza is the, the staple of the year. It's like... It's penned in every year. I don't really negotiate too hard on it. The only way I would probably not go is if it was, you know, something extremely special. But going to Waterpalooza every year is just such a vibe. There's Everybody's there and it's the furthest competition away from the CrossFit game. So everyone is a little bit more relaxed. No one's out for blood. Everyone is just there to throw down, have a good time. And if you don't do well, no one cares. Mm -hmm. So there's no pressure. But then in those types of situations, that's usually where I thrive. Yeah. So I love that aspect of it. And I usually, in the last couple of years, I've come into Waterpalooza not that fit, but I've had such a blast and being around people, I'll work so much harder for my team than I will myself. Same, and, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I will sell everything. I'll sell my entire soul to help that team out. And I'll do it because it just puts a smile on their face. And I just get such a kick out of doing something with people to share the experience. And, you know, we roped in Will, Will Kearney, who's a proven coach uh, and just a young fella. He's only 22 years old and he was coming over just to work the booth. And Yonikoski pulled out because he was crook. And I messaged Will and I said, hey, buddy, how you feeling? And he was just like, why are you asking? And I was like, <laughs> I said, uh, Yonis pulled out. We uh, need a guy for this weekend. He's, he's like, are you serious? And I was just like, yeah, it's in two days time. Yeah. And he's just done a flight from Australia. And he's just like, he's like, are you kidding me? And I'm just like, dude, you're my man. I need you. And he's just like, done. And so he came out, this dude's crook. He's congested. He's not anticipating doing a competition. And it was just such a vibe to be out such there. Such a full send. And he was in the hurt locker <laughs> the whole weekend. And so me and Nick Matthew were just having just such a blast just being on the field. He's and, a stud, by the way, too. Uh, His freaking legs are so strong, dude, man. Dude, it is insane. And he'd like... We put on all the plates except for the change plates. And then he goes out the end and goes, damn it, I should have put on all the change plates. <laughs> I was like, man, this dude is wild. So, he, yeah, I love him. It's the first time I've actually met him properly. Love him. That's He's super great. cool. Such By the way, next time, text me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that actually happened on one of our teams. Somebody got injured. And the very last workout, I get a hand on my shoulder like, hey, man, you want to go hit the last workout together? And I was like. Say yes, figure it out later. Here, yeah. here goes nothing. Yeah, 100%. Have some fun out there, dude. Dude, that, one, that was it. And then we ended up, like, I didn't expect much. We ended up placing top 10, so I can't, can't complain. That's great, man. And injury-free. Injury-free. Injury-free on the other side. Chasing the vibe as the LSKD motto always throws out there. And James, you're such a jack-of-all-trades. And, you know, obviously exposing yourself, as we mentioned, CrossFit, triathlon, Ironman, Strongman. But you've got a couple businesses, man. You, you took a sexy little photo shoot in your LeBoy Swim, uh, yeah, yeah. and that was your team name out there as well. How did that uh, business endeavor kind of come to about? Yeah, so LeBoy's came about, Khan and I were traveling through Europe, and we were going to, we went to the um, Marseille Throwdown, we went to the Butcher's Lab Throwdown in Copenhagen, and we were wearing, we were wearing Dickies, we were wearing the Speedos, and people kept asking us about them. And then I was in an airport and we were walking through there and I thought, they're asking us about it. This is kind of cool. Khan, do you want to do our own Speedo? And he was just like, great idea. And I was just like, let's call it Le Boys. That was like the, the theme of the week. The theme of our trip was 
one of Khan's mates would always be like, oh, he would always see our stories and where we were and we were in, you know, play at Old Carmen and then we're in Copenhagen and then we're in Vegas and he's like, he would always be like, the boys are on, the boys are on and he's French. And it, he would do it for our competition and he would also do it for when we were going out and, and partying. And I said, let's call it Le Boys. And he goes, yeah, sick. And I said, dude, I'm going to pull the trigger on this. So as soon as I get home, I'm pulling the trigger. And he goes, yeah, do it, do it, do it. And so I got home and just, yeah, pulled the trigger and just got some designs made up. And, you know, it took us a bit of time to get them together and to get some, you know, pre-production samples underway and then to, you know, get them how we wanted them to kind of fit. And we're still working on, you know, bits and pieces of that now. But coming to Waterpalooza, we actually wanted to launch this at last Waterpalooza. And this time around, we did a collaboration with LSKD they come up with this sick euphoria pattern for like so Miami. So like just such a vibe, teal and pink. And <laughs> we just were in the office one day just saying, hey, like that would be so sick to put on a Speedo. Can we you know, put it on a little boys? And Jace was like, yeah, let's do it. So I said, I'm going to pull the trigger on that too. And so I literally just went and got a bunch made and said to Khan, I said, hey man, you're not afraid of heights, are you? And he was like, no, why? And I said, oh, I said, I've got something planned for Miami. And he's just like, okay, cool. We get there. I was like, we're skydiving. He goes, oh, I thought so. So we went. The to pictures the... were epic, dude. Yeah. They had me laughing. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's just a fun thing. It's like, it's a passion project that we just do to connect. Like if at the end of the day, La Boys doesn't work and I know it's got, it's got, I've got a f- secret feeling that it's going to be like a bit of a, a, a hidden, a hidden gem, but if at the end of the day, it just brings Khan and I closer, great, sweet. We'll like, become better mates. I really do believe, though, when you combine the worlds of work and play, inevitably they start to float to the top. Yeah, like, and that's what it's all about. It's just about having a good time, being as much you as possible, and wearing what you feel like you're wearing. And we wear them to, the, we wear them to train when we go to the pool, and mm-hmm. we do, both do pool work. We wear them when we go to the beach because that's what we like to wear. Um, and can't have those tan lines man. hey well, I was about to say <laughs> fix your tan lines totally you next got, time we're out here we'll have to link you with uh, the famous Sam Dancer yeah he, he's he, got he some he definitely actually. rocks some speedos and we're uh, our, our facility at Invictus is right across the street from the police station love it so the police are big fans that's of awesome. like watching him get out there and train that's it and I always strip down to my skimpies to get the like full Sam Dancer experience I love it love it and I'm like the odd man out but inevitably it's like I don't know it's part of the experience you gotta do what the other dudes do <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just a fun thing, and the thing is just not to take it all too seriously. And people are like oh, like they're just like oh, it's kind of a strange thing. I was like, it's just it is what it is. It's just a fun thing to to kind of do, and we're having a blast with it. And it, you know, if if at the end of the day, it just is a, a cool way for us to excuse a trip to the Mentawis to surf sick waves and speedos. And hey, well, I don't <laughs> mind that at all. Not at all, man. Dude, it's been so awesome connecting with you today, kind of peeling back the layers on on your life, your experience, how you've you've made it to the now. If you could have a billboard, man, what would what would that billboard say? What advice like do you think from your experiences so far could positively impact the world a little bit? At the end of the day, I think if everyone could just be kind, that is it. If you just be kind, we would just live in such a better place. That's it. Like it doesn't Super have to cool, be. It doesn't man. have to be any more complicated than that. Be kind, and yeah, that's that's all I'd have. That's dope, man. We we've had so many special conversations today. We got to attack dumbbell Linda, get a sick little pump together, and a, and a common theme for the two of us is just simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Yeah, yeah. Right, the simple shit works. Basics, basics are the key. Basics are key. That's it. That's dope, man. Well, we got to wrap things up so we can hop into the cold plunge real quick. 
Guys, for those of you listening or observing on YouTube, if you enjoyed my conversation with the famous James Newberry, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. And as always, stay on the hunt for who you've not yet become. Until next time, guys. Thanks, James. Pleasure. Are you over 35 and in need of a solid training program? Are you looking to improve your athleticism and keep up with the younger athletes in your CrossFit gym? Then look no further than our Invictus Masters program. This program places year-round emphasis on mobility and stability exercises with movements that we have seen directly benefit our Masters athletes. Our program is led by Nicole DeHart and offers a training program designed specifically for Masters athletes who are looking to compete at a higher level in the sport of CrossFit. Some of our top Masters athletes in the world train with us, including CrossFit Games champion Kevin Kester, Matt Beals, and Pat Sprague. You can learn more about their stories and the Invictus Masters program by checking out their episodes right here on the Invictus Mindset Podcast. If you'd like more information about the current training cycle or to join the Invictus Masters program, please email Nicole at InvictusAthlete.com. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-E at InvictusAthlete.com. Dot com.